Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Understand that you're a role model. So when we're talking about emotional management, if you are losing your, you know, if you're losing your mind in every game where you're yelling at the ref and yelling at the kids, or then you're not being a very good role model of managing emotions. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to The Coaches Network, a podcast aiming to bring people at the heart of coach and player development together. My name's Coach Yas, a performance coach, content creator, and founder of The Coaches Network. And today's episode is going to be part of our how-to series, where we discuss a range of topics and with the help of our guests, break down some actionable how-to steps to help you reach your full potential. Enjoy. Right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yes, and today I've got a very special guest with me for the second time on our show. Um, the first conversation we had was fascinating. Um, I couldn't resist on getting her back on. Um, today's guest is Christina Fink. Christina, how are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you very much for being with us again. Uh, Christina, just before we get started, for those that maybe didn't catch you on the first episode and aren't too familiar with yourself, would you mind just going for a bit of background about who you are and what you do exactly? Um, Sure. So um, my name is Christina Fink, and I am a performance psychologist. I have worked with um, several different Olympic teams from Mexico and uh, with U.S. track and field and a couple of other um, U.S. teams giving presentations for coaches um, like rowing and archery. Um, I've worked with MLS uh, soccer clubs doing coaching education and worked uh, in a soccer club for 10 years uh, with the MLS. I'm originally from Mexico. I competed for Mexico in two Olympic games. I was a high jumper. And um, so, yeah, I mean, just fascinated by what makes people perform at their best and what are some of the obstacles that get in the way. Brilliant. And so, Christina, you know, just kind of really, you know, just to tell off the back end of our last discussion, we, we talked a lot about, you know, how to maybe get the best out of an athlete, um, especially at an elite level. Um, you know, we couldn't help maybe just touching on a little bit how much this is, you know, has an impact on potentially the mental health of an athlete as well. So, you know, just to kind of around today's episode, obviously we're going to look into the impacts of the on mental health in high performance more, more specifically. Would you mind just going into a bit of detail from your perspective of the potential impacts, both negative and positive impact it could have on mental health being an athlete in an elite level? Oh, there's, um, there's so much to, to cover with that, right? Um, and, so, and so part of that has to do with some of the things that, that get you to be able to perform at your best are precisely some of the things that could get in the way. Uh, once, you, once you stop, uh, like, you know, when you're in, in a transition to getting out of sports or when you suffer an injury or you're deselected, you know, there's all of these things that, you know, wanting to be the, the perfectionism, the, the level of perfectionism that you need to get to an elite level. 
can then get in the way when you are actually in a competition because in the competition you need to let things flow and so if you're focused on being perfect that could get in the way um sometimes you know athletes have you know these routines and they are very very um diligent about following those routines it could get into uh, uh, an obsessive compulsive uh, kind of a situation right uh, when you have loss there could be depression and anxiety and all of these and then eating disorders i mean there's all all of these things that that regular people are are affected by athletes are regular people who do extraordinary things um but they are regular human beings, right? And so, and so they are, they, they can suffer this just as well, uh, except they're a lot more public, especially when they're high level athletes. Mm. And just, just on that, then you need to talk there about some of the things that could cause, uh, I guess, challenges for, play, uh, for athletes on a, a, you know, on, a man, on a mental capacity in terms of overcoming injuries and setbacks and things like that. Would you mind maybe sharing some experiences that you've had around challenging times where you feel there's been moments in particular where your mental health has taken the toll as a, as a, you know, as a previous athlete yourself? Um, yeah. I mean, sometimes when you have, um, I mean, I experienced myself when you have an injury, you know, all of a sudden everything that you've been working for um, seems to be, seems to be stopped or seems to be in a, in, a, in a situation where you don't know where you have zero control over things. And that can be, that can be pretty daunting. Um, I have had, uh, as an athlete, I had a couple of things happen like that, you know, with, with, with injuries and then the transition of, of moving out of sport and, and doing something else. I mean, I remember when I stopped competing um, for a little while, I was unsure of, of what's next and, and what do I really want to do? And who am I really, right? And even though I had already, you know, I had a, a, a degree and was, um, had what I thought was a pretty good life plan. And then all of a sudden you start questioning things. So even when you have a plan, it can be pretty daunting because you've been doing this for 10 years. I've had athletes, um, soccer players in particular, who um, I had a 35 year old in my office who was in tears because he said that since he was 10 years old, he's been told what he needed to wear, what he needed to eat, how he needed to behave, you know, being in these really very scheduled um, situations. And now all of a sudden he's out of sports and he's like, not sure. I mean, he was crying and then half laughing, kind of going like, I don't know what to wear or, or what to eat, you know? Mm. And so, uh, actually preparing for these situations is, is I think important. And I don't mean to minimize it because he was, you know, this is an athlete that was going through a transition and I helped him through that. And he didn't have anything more complicated than that. Um, I am a specialist in performance. Uh, it, when I have an athlete who actually has an eating disorder, or I see that it's not a situational depression, like a, like an injury then, then um, if it's a if it's an injury and I can help the athlete through that, then I'll do that. But if it's a, if it's more than that, then I'll refer mm. to a specialist, you know, to a clinical psychologist because I think that um, that's what that's what we need to do. That's what you would do with you know if 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 you're in a situation like with a doctor, 
you're going to go, if you have a problem with your knee, you go see the knee specialist, right? Mm. <laughs> so this is no different. I mean, I'm, I'm a specialist in performance. And so I help with that. But, but then when, when I see that it's a case that is, that involves more than that, then I refer. Definitely. And just on that, then, you know, you talk there about being a specialist in performance more specifically. Um, in terms of obviously, again, looking at the mental, this mental health side of things and, you know, a large part of your work is obviously helping, helping athletes in managing performance levels. And uh, I guess to, to some extent, keeping focused would you would you say that's fair um yes or, or choosing what to focus on yes <laughs> sure okay yeah just just, yes. just on that then you know it, would you say it's fair to it's fair to say that a large part of your work is maybe supporting athletes and understanding maybe how to compartmentalize some of their thoughts and, and feelings actually no because i'm actually more um i work more with mindfulness so i work more with actually recognizing the feeling that you have and then being able to manage that feeling rather than making it like disappear or pretend or pretend it's not there. It's sure. more about, okay, this is a feeling that you have now, what do you do with it? So, so working a lot with, with, with awareness. And so you can't, if, if you're aware of the feeling that you have, then you can do something with it. Right. So let's say I have an athlete who has all of a sudden, you know, feels very, very anxious before a competition. Um, if we've worked well with some of the coping skills that he or she has developed over, over a period of time, then even if it, the fact that they can realize that they have like this elevated level of anxiety, then they can do something with it. The problem is when you don't, when you want to compartmentalize or you don't want to deal with it, and then all of a sudden it appears and you don't have the coping skills to deal with it. Mm. And just on, on that note then, you know, in terms of managing that with the coping skills and whatnot, would you say that there is maybe uh, regular or consistent ways in which you, know, you work with your athletes to kind of manage these things? You know, I guess to ensure they can stay on top of them in a sense. Yes. And, and, and obviously I'm here, I'm not going to minimize. I mean, I've worked with athletes. Um, I've, I've worked with, with athletes who are, like I said, human beings who end up having a little bit more complex issues that it's not just a coping skills type of thing, you know, where, where I've had athletes who have, a, a, a depression. And so I work together with a, with a clinical psychologist or a psychiatrist working together with that person to help the athlete, uh, overcome this because it's not something or, or actually manage what they're going through. Right. Mm. The same with eating disorders. So it's a question of how do you manage these things? And is the, are these things that you can, that you can figure out with, with different coping mechanisms, or is this at, at some point, something that will require an intervention with medicine or with other things. So we can't minimize that. And I think that for a long time, we've put athletes in a, in a pedestal where, oh, you know, even the, even the Olympic um, uh, logo or says something like healthy mind and healthy body, right? And, and yet we keep pushing our bodies to an extreme to get the next result. And, and, and then um, not necessarily with the best, uh, with with having like the right mindset right and so so it's really about making sure that that you are treating 
this athlete as a person rather than a pair of legs that will get you a result. Mm. Mm. And just, you know, just on that, thing, you know, looking at how to maybe support those athletes in some of the coping mechanisms they do have. And obviously, I you know, appreciate not everything is just simple as here's a coping mechanism, crack on with it. <laughs> what would you say are some of the, uh, I guess, go-to things for those athletes that you could maybe, you know, that you say, you know, this, this is a, this is a, uh, not really a general one, but something that does get used frequently. There's uh, so, so there's so many different things that we can use. And, and, mm. and, and, and again, there, it's not a, you know, um, I think that people like to have recipes or, you know, the seven yeah. secrets or the three or the three things that you need or the five secrets of top level athletes. And the reality is, uh, for me, the things that that really help uh, a, a top level af- athlete, is, you know, are they aware? And so once they're aware, are are they aware of what they're feeling and 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 how they're and and how they're coping? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, are they aware of what works? Um, if you if you get to a competition and you realize that you are not as energetic as you need to be, what are some of the things that you can use to keep to put your energy up? Right? So mm-hmm. do you have a a warm up that is a little bit more? Um, that, that requires a little bit more movement without exaggerating it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Without getting too tired. Are there, are, so are there physical things that you can do? Is there music that you can listen to that will help you either elevate or, or, uh, or lower um, the level of arousal that you need before a competition? So it's really about knowing yourself and being aware of that. And then, then you can say, okay, I'm going to use this breathing technique. I'm going to, I'm going to focus on my routine. And here I talk about routine and not ritual Mm. because there's a big difference between those two. You know, a a routine is something that actually helps you become more prepared for, for, and, and helps you stay kind of getting you into that focus that you need. Right. And so let's say I need to, in tennis, you see it, you know, that they bounce the ball three times or, you know, is it, is it three times? Do you need to bounce the ball three times or sometimes it's just two and then you can go, right? Because it's about what gets you ready. Mm-hmm. It's not about how many times you do that, right? Sure. And then, and then you, and then, and then, so that's a routine or ritual. It's, it's where if I don't bounce the ball three times, it won't work, right? right. And so, and so then that becomes something that can hinder you a little bit. Sure, because in some ways, I guess you're putting almost a, a, a block on it to almost say this this can't be done unless this happens sort of thing so it's almost like a you assign your own pre- prerequisites to something exactly and then and then if your opponent knows that i mean i worked with a with a diver who would put his um his flip-flops or his you know <laughs> in in a particular in a particular way right before going up on the trampoline and then i just said what happens if one of your opponents sees that if one of your competitors sees that and kicks your sandals or your flip-flops and now now you feel like oh my god those have been moved you know so I kicked those a couple of times just to see how the athlete would respond you know and so and he would just like look at me and go you know but it was it was a little bit of preparing yourself to not be that you know because because if you are that obsessive about no this is the way this is exactly the way it needs to be then you're actually getting in your own way of performance Sure. So I just want to take you back to something you mentioned a couple of minutes ago. Obviously, you said that, you know, your work is more in line with, uh, I guess, 
the idea of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, then you touched on that example there about the te- you know the tennis player bouncing the ball. It, it would you mind just going into a bit of detail? And obviously, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, you're the link from mindfulness is almost paying attention to it and being present in the moment. Um, and really, again, something you touched on previously as well about paying attention to how you feel. Um, how important is that process? And you know, would you mind just sharing some insight around? how mindfulness can impact upon an athlete's performance. So, so um, if you, if you're not mindful, if you just kind of go about it and you are trying to, uh, like you said earlier, if you're just trying to compartmentalize, let's say, and you, and you think, Oh, you know, I'll I'll just leave this on the side and I'm not going to worry about that. And I'm not going to be thinking about that during the competition. And then during the competition, it creeps up on you. If you haven't dealt with it, or if you don't have a coping mechanism for it, then it's going to distract you. And then you're going to be in trouble in the competition because you're going to have a fight, an internal fight of not, of trying not to pay attention to something that's there. Right. Whereas when you're mindful, you're actually thinking about, okay, this is, this is what I'm feeling at the moment. And and this is not helping me in the competition. So I'm going to choose to pay attention to something else. But since you've trained this, since you've practiced this, then you can actually do it. Because one of the biggest problems is that people talk about the mental side of the game as, oh, yeah, I read a book about it. Mm. I mean, I can read a book on architecture. That doesn't mean I'm an architect. Of course. (laughs) Right? And, and, And it doesn't mean that I can go out and build a house because I read a book on architecture. This is the same thing with with with. Uh, if, if you don't practice these things on mindfulness, on, on, on catching, you know, what is it that I'm thinking about? How is that moving me? How am I feeling? What am I doing with that emotion? Then yeah. if, if you're not aware of that, then it just happens to you. You have no control over it. Definitely. And I think you, you might just you know, talking a little bit more how much it is, how important it is for or, or how I guess an athlete can really get to that state of mindfulness you know especially in the midst of um you know a, an event whether that be a, a game or um a race or whatever that whatever the athlete participates in this there could be so many things going on in that moment um both internally and externally whether that be interference from our opposition uh players or athletes or you know uh, teammates or coaches having their say you know if anything depending on what kind of level you're at probably you know additional pressures from fans and things like that how how, how does how does one sift through those things so um one of the things that i use quite often is we talk about and i'll give you an example of a couple of athletes that i worked with before the olympics so six months before the Olympic Games, once I had qualified for the Olympics, six months before the Olympic Games, we talked about possible stressful situations, right? Um, and this is a sport that involves five different disciplines. And so, and so in this sport, you have five different disciplines. And so you have all of these different things that could go wrong, right? <laughs> or things that could be stressful, right? And so, and so the athlete went through them and we talked about what's a possible stressful situation? What do you think and feel? What do you do and what should you do? So we talked about those things, right? So, and we talked about how do you feel when this happens, right? So, just to pause you there for a second, on those things there, are these objective 
identifications of things or subjective based on the perception of the athlete themselves in or so 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 the athlete as well. so, so let's say the athlete says uh if my goggles break sure that's something that could happen in a swim competition right so right. if my goggle you know i'm getting ready i'm putting on my goggles and they break what do you do and 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 so um so so here it's one of those where what do you think and feel and the and the and the immediate reaction is oh shoot right or or mm. worse than that actually yeah. <laughs> I won't say it on the radio on the podcast but you know they usually and 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 it's funny because when I talk to the athletes I say tell me exactly what you say or what you think right mm. and so they would they would say you know exactly how they would say it right and then and so what do you think I'm screwed right mm. and so now what do you do. Right. And so what do you do? Oh, you know, I pace back and forth or I get really angry or so what should you do? Well, I should I should have a second pair of goggles uh, right in my basket. So so that if that happens, I can just grab the other pair. Mm. I was like, OK, all right. So that's a good solution. So as we got closer to the Olympics, all of these situations that we talked about that we prepared for. Uh, when we got, you know, before the, uh, you know, six months out, we had eight pages of possible stressful situations, right? Wow. When we got to the Olympics, we had actually two lines. Right, okay. Like two things that would be stressful in the moment. Like, you Is know, that just because in the initial eight pages, you hadn't identified solutions as yet. So we, so it, it the exercise kind of takes you through, okay, what are the possible stressful situations? And I actually, start with like a couple like let's say if i'm playing with if i'm if i'm working with soccer with football i say okay what would be a possible stressful situation in a game getting a yellow card right mm -hmm. that's an easy one okay so getting a yellow card so what do you think and do what what do you think and feel i feel frustrated and i think that the ref doesn't know what the hell they're talking about right <laughs> and so mm -hmm. and so or 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 and i've had i've had players who say you know, well, I deserve that one, you know, and I was like, okay, so, um, so you just take it, you know, and you, and you walk away. Right. And mm. so I, re I walk away, I refocus, I, I think about it. Um, especially when you think that it was an undeserved card, it brings more emotion out. You get, you get angrier, right? you you get angry and you, will it, what do you usually do? I go and I, they, they'll either say that they walk away or they start arguing with a ref, right? And I go, what does that get you? I mean, that, has a ref ever said, oh, no, sorry, my mistake. Let me put that away. And they laugh, right? And they're like, no, that doesn't happen. And I was like, okay, so that's just wasted time, right? So that's time when you actually need to recognize that you are angry, take a deep breath and refocus on what you're going to do next, right? So that doesn't take away the feeling. That doesn't take away. Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The red card, the, the yellow card, but it, but it helps you to refocus on what it is that you're going to do if this happens. Right. So when you have, when you've thought about these stressful situations, and like I said, with the example of this athlete of six months out, you know, he had eight pages of it. And then as we got closer, then he just had two things that, that, that he thought might still be stressful because for everything else, he already had a, oh, I know what I would do if this happens. So I already have right. a strategy. I already know that I can take a deep breath, walk away. I know that I can have a second pair of goggles. I know that I can have a that I can talk to the coach in this instance or that instance. So when you have solutions to these possible stressful situations, it decreases the, the so, so it, it, it allows you to be in, in, in that space a little bit um, better, you know, to be mindful and to be in the space where you need to be a little bit better. Mm. Just, just on that then, you know, I think the interesting part is obviously you come up with the solutions is, is, is great. Um, how do you prepare for that still you know in, in i guess in the, in the context of preparation in terms of training and things leading up to that i know you gave a brief example there you know you'd have the the athlete that you kicked his kicked his slippers out of the way or yeah how far can you really go with that sort of stuff you know let's say for instance the issue is something like um you know receiving a yellow card in a game how 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 far can you go in terms of you know uh, essentially role-playing that circumstance if that makes sense right and so so um a lot of times I'll, I'll use video of things that have either happened to them or i've seen happen in other instances and this is going to have to do a lot with how close are you how how um with when when i was working with some of the olympic teams i worked with these teams for for a couple of years mm. and so that allows me and i was part of their training session with with football i've been part of you know, I, I'm, I'm going to the training sessions and I'm part of the training sessions and they see me as, as, as a part of that. So I talk a lot with the coaches as well. And so the coaches integrate this into, into, uh, into training. So if we're going to do penalties, uh, if, if you're going to, if you're going to do a, a practice penalty shooting, then you try and make it as real as possible. Because so many times people are just, you know, I mean, it's very, it's very different to simulate or to try and simulate uh, a penalty kick after 120 minutes, right? Because you've gone through the two extra times and the, right? And and, and now, now you're going to, you're going to have a penalty kick. I mean, how good are you in training after, after a 45 minute workout, you know, where you had some breaks and stuff? you take the penalties and everybody's kind of laughing and doing their thing. And, uh, and the, 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 the goalie is joking with you and, you know, Mm. now try to do that in a, in a, in a situation where it's 120 minutes later, your legs are tired. The stadium is full. This is pre COVID obviously (laughs) when you had a full stadium and now, now how, now how confident are you that you can do this? 
right? Just on and that so, and so it's too. actually talking about and, and actually visualizing these situations. So can you visualize yourself doing this? Can you see yourself doing it? And if you can, how do you go through that? So just, just on that, then, you know, you going back to some of the footage that you might use with these athletes, how much of that is um, just interesting? How much of that is to maybe bring their emotion or bring their thoughts back to the emotions they may have been feeling in those moments, if that makes sense? Oh, yeah. And we talk about it quite often. You know, how frustrated you might have felt, how angry you might have felt, how happy you might have felt. Mm. Right. And so and so what are the emotions that you feel? Um, I had uh, 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 an athlete who told me I thought I would be happier when we were at the Olympics. Um, and, and I said, yeah. And she said, yeah, I thought I would be happier. Like I thought that qualifying for the Olympics would be, and now I'm here and I'm not that happy. And I was like, well, why are you not that happy? And she said, because it's very stressful. And I was like, yep, it is. <laughs> and so there's a little bit of recognizing yeah, you're not that happy. You know, this is not the happiness that you feel when you're when you go to a good movie with friends. It's a it's a it's a very different kind of, you know, and then after she played a game, she was like, oh, my God, I wouldn't change this for the world. And so um, it's a little bit of, of being able to ride that roller coaster that you're going to have with feelings mm. <laughs> when you're competing at the top level. You know, uh, yeah, there are going to be times when you feel at the top and you feel great and you feel powerful and and then there's going to be times when you don't feel that great and you you still need to be able to perform so just on that then you know you talked there about um them being happy and you know is it for the athlete then to identify different forms of that happiness and... yeah yeah i think I, I think it's important to recognize the difference you know is it is it like real happiness? Is it is it content? Is it feeling confident? Is it feeling powerful? Like what is it that you need to feel, right? And so it is identifying the feelings that you have, and then and then being able to to manage those feelings in the moment. But yes, it's it's is it joy? You know, is it is it a joyous occasion? Mm. Um, and 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 in 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 depending on the sport that you're in, you're gonna have those ups and downs and those ups. And, I mean. In, in a race of, in the 100 meter dash, you're not gonna have time for much of that. Yeah. But but in a, in a 90 minute game or in a tennis match or in a, you know, you see these marathons of five hours where actually being able to, man, to, to manage the, the joy of winning the first two sets and then losing the next two and then being able to perform in the last set, you know, being able to manage those emotions throughout is something that's very important. And if you don't recognize them, then you're kind of at the mercy of whatever happens, happens. Definitely. I think it's in, you know, I think we, we touched on this last time almost is if we start to be aware of the things, then we're halfway there to maybe uh, finding a solution because we're actually aware of something that's going on. Um, and it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that we have it, have a solution to it straight away, but because we, again, like I said, because we are aware, we can start making steps towards identifying solutions. Now, in terms of now, going back to the mental health side of things now, we talk there a lot about paying attention to our emotions and, and understanding what those emotions are and having almost clarity on that. Now, in terms of the mental health side, I mean, the toll that some of these things can take, you know, 
obviously without being too specific around any particular athletes, have you got any experiences where maybe they weren't able to manage these things well and it had a, a it took a real toll on them? Um, yes, absolutely. And there, there have been times when an athlete just, you know, their whole identity is wrapped around being an athlete. Mm. And so I have had athletes who have a very hard time with retirement and, and it's not a question of, you know, not like that player that I was talking about that was just, mm. you know, he, he had like a normal transition where yes, it's difficult. And, and he had a little bit of a hard time, but it wasn't, but it wasn't, um, that detrimental, let's say. Uh, but I've, uh, but I've worked with athletes who, yeah, I've referred to, to um, uh, psychiatrists because of the depression that they had because they couldn't come to terms with, and this is something that was ongoing. This is, this was not just caused by sports, but sports gave them an out sure. and they had, you know, like, okay, I have that structure and that entertainment and that, and then when this athlete had a career ending injury, just could not could not separate uh th this these uh, just can't separate themselves from 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 this and so there was a a, a very a pretty pretty um difficult situation with a with a severe depression um that that was kind of hidden while this athlete was competing uh, but was all, but but was already there, let's say, and mm. so and so difficult difficult to 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 pinpoint exactly uh, at at what time it you know once once this athlete had this career ending injury then then it just you know it manifested itself very very strongly and um, needed to go to a hospital for this. Sure, just to kind of build on that, then you know. You what would you say are some of the things that I guess organizations, clubs or um, environments can be thinking about putting in place to maybe support some of these athletes and not falling into those, um, those situations, shall we say? Um, well, I think that they need to have, um, <laughs> I think that more and more we're seeing that the need for including uh, performance psychologists or, or mental, you know, um, mental health providers into the system and and actually normalizing it a little bit more and i think that one of the things that is actually a really good thing is that there have been now many many athletes who have been very vocal about mental health and about the support that they need and, and the things that they need um and and that's bringing it to light so this is not something that we can leave to chance um, I think that in the academies, we need to be more aware of, of the pressure that, that especially in, in, in football, soccer academies, you know, um, I worked in Mexico and, and I know that in, in the UK, it's, it's pretty similar where if you get cut at 17 or 18, when you thought that that was your dream and that was it, um, if, if they don't give them enough resources, we hear very, very sad stories with this. Mm, mm. And so just making sure that we're identifying what's happening and making sure that we're giving these young people the support that they need as people, not just, not just as athletes. And that's one of the things that I think um, we need to get better at in general, where we are giving more support long-term, where it's not, and, and, and 
I remember uh, when I was with, in one of the teams that I worked with, uh, when we were deselecting someone for a competition, um, I was part of that conversation. And I was part of that conversation more after the athlete was told so that I could be a part of the support system and to see if this athlete needed more than, than just a couple of sessions with me. Mm. And, you know, just kind of building that, you, it's identifying obviously the impact it has on the athlete, what kind of support they may need. If, you know, there'll be some coaches that are listening to this that might be working with uh, younger athletes, um, you know, more in the grassroots sort of environments as well. What, you know, in terms of some of the suggestions that you've made, obviously, that, you know, from your experience, what are things that maybe they could start to implement in some of those environments where they may not have access to, um, I guess, as many resources and for possibly multidisciplinary, multidisciplinary teams where they've got individuals maybe specialising in this sort of thing. But those coaches may be working alone or um, looking at ways to maybe support and help younger athletes of this set of things. Right. And so I think that one of the things that that everybody can do is uh, when you start your sessions, you know, you start by saying something like, like, how are you doing today? Right. And, mm-hmm. and it's something as simple as I'm not saying, you know, you need to have a, a, a 15 minute conversation with each athlete because then you wouldn't train at all. <laughs> I'm just saying when everybody gets into, let's say you have a soccer practice, you know, football practice and everybody gets to the field, you say, how's everybody feeling? Thumbs up, you know, uh, thumbs in the middle, thumbs down. And, and if you have a couple of kids who, you know, most of the time kids are going to show you like a thumbs up, but if you've established a good rapport with kids, they're going to show you the halfway or thumbs down. And then Mm. in a water break or whatever, you can come up and say, Hey, what's going on? You know, I noticed that you were, or, or if you notice that somebody's struggling to just say, hey, I noticed that you're not having a great day. What's going on? Can I help you with anything? Mm. Because those are some of the things that are going to help you establish, you know, that connection that you need to be able to help someone. And ultimately, a coach is somebody that helps other people um, be the best that they can be, right? I mean, that's that's ultimately what the coach wants. They they. They're teachers. They want to teach you to become better at whatever it is that you're doing. Mm. And just on that, then, you know, it, it, I think one of the key things to what's worth mentioning is that it's really important for them, us as coaches in those environments to really pay attention to our athletes. Not obviously having a system like you've touched on there about thumbs up, thumbs, you know, in the middle and thumbs down is, is a great way of doing that as well. But even just having a bit more again mindfulness and being present in the moment to actually observe what's happening with the, with these athletes you know what, what what is their body language like today is it consistent yeah. with what they usually like um and things like that you know i think those things you know can't go amiss as well and you know just really looking at different ways of i guess supporting these athletes you know i think would you say this, you know, from your experience, even certain conversations that maybe need to take place between the coach within the organization and parents to maybe support some of these things as well? And if so, what would that look like for you? Absolutely. And that's where, where for me, it's, it's the coach. Uh, if the coach is good at communicating from the beginning, parents can be a great asset to you, uh, to, to, to coaches. I mean, I know that most coaches say that they don't want parents around, but the reality is most parents are going to be very helpful. And so if you can give information at the beginning 
of your, you know, of your season to parents saying, hey, I'm a resource for you. I want you to be a resource for me. These are some of the things that I'm looking for. These are some of, you know, and you state your mission and your vision and what you want for their child, Mm -hmm. then they're going to have more buy-in and then they're not going to be afraid of communicating with you. And so, and so I think that those are things that you definitely want to uh, establish because if a parent feels like, I mean, I, I, I know I saw it with my own son, he's a professional goalkeeper now. Uh, and I saw it with my own son where there would be coaches that I would go to and say, Hey, he had a rough day, you know, at school or something like that. And then there are coaches that I would say nothing to because I didn't think that they cared enough mm-hmm. or that, that, or, or that they would hold it actually that they would actually hold it against, against the player. Right. And so, and so careful about what, how much information you share. And that's going to depend a lot on how the coach establishes the connection at the beginning of, of a season with parents. Mm. And I think you just touching on that, you know, you talked there about coaches not really wanting parents around, but, you know, I think a lot of coaches can under, can often underestimate how much impact the parent can have because, you know, one of the things I often say is that with, when it comes to parents in particular is, uh, from my experience, I've never seen or come across one that's ill-intended. Sometimes, yes, maybe mis- you know, ill-advised or uneducated in certain aspects of how to support the individual. Um, but they definitely are a resource that we can, I guess, lean on in terms of supporting that young, you know, the young athlete, whether that be a, you know, a male or female athlete in that respect. Just you know, just to kind of as we start to maybe wind down now. What would you say some of the, you know, the key things to really think, I guess, focus on then in terms of, I guess, being more mindful and, and having a present attitude or present mindset? So, so, so I think as I think as coaches, you need to start with your own mindfulness, right? So you need to be mindful of what you're doing. I've seen so many training sessions, especially, I mean, at all levels, uh, but even even with the grassroots where where the coach is preoccupied because they need to get to another training session or they need to do something else. So they're not as connected to the training session that they're holding in the moment. I've also seen this at, at the highest level where the coach is getting interrupted by somebody from the media department or, you know, and so how mindful are you in your training session? Are you connected and are you being a resource to your athletes? And I think that that's one of the things that is important. Do you hold people accountable and responsible? You know, do you, do, are you, are you consistent? Um, and so these are some of the things that we talked about in the last, uh, the last time we, we talked, but, but, you know, I reiterate, you know, you can't ask someone to, you know, to have the commitment that they need to have if you're not showing up yourself on time and, and with the things that you need to do. Right. So, understand that you're a role model. So when we're talking about emotional management, if you are losing your, you know, if you're losing your mind in every game where you're yelling at the ref and yelling at the kids or then you're not being a very good role model of managing emotions. Mm. Um, If you just shoot with, you know, if you just start talking without thinking, you're, you're not really communicating effectively because you're showing that you're, you're demonstrating that you're not thinking before you speak. And so all of those things are things that you need to be aware of uh, because, because you're role modeling, especially if you're coaching young, young, uh, young people. Definitely. And just to kind of, just on the final, that, you know, one question I did have off the back of that is how important is it for us then as, as coaches to, 
allow our athletes or young players to actually pull us up on some of these things? Um, the the best coaches that I've seen are coaches that are actually open to feedback from their from their players, you know, or who actually before the player or 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 athlete says something, they actually apologize for. Oh my god, I'm sorry. I, I I'm sorry I said that. I'm sorry I I lost my temper. You know, um, that wasn't a great example. This is what mm-hmm. we need to do moving forward. So if you can do that, I think that that's. Uh, I mean actions speak louder than words <laughs> no definitely 100 percent. just christina look again you know we, it's going into some you know very interesting parts there on you know managing that those you know those thoughts and feelings and more and more importantly being able to pay attention to those thoughts and feelings and how, how those things could impact the athlete in particular um if any any of the listeners had any you know anywhere where they wanted to maybe get in touch with you and follow up on some of the stuff that we've discussed in this or even beyond have you got somewhere where they can do that um, there's, um, I, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn and so you can follow me there. Um, you can send me a message there. I believe that's how you and I connected. So yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> no problem. Yep. Perfect. And, and my, and, and my email address as well. Yep. And you're okay with me sharing that out? If yes. On the show? Yeah. Not a problem. Perfect. I'll, I'll make sure that gets out to all the listeners as well. So they, if you have any questions they want to follow up, they can do that. Christina, okay. well, thank you again for your time this evening um, or this afternoon for you, I guess. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, it'll, it'll, as it was with the first episode, it's been insightful, insightful one for the, for the listeners too, as it has been for myself. Um, again, thank you again for your time. Thank you. Thanks right. for the invitation. Well, there you have it, guys. You've been listening to another edition of the Coaches Network How To Series where we discuss a range of topics and with the help of our guests break down some actionable how-to steps for you to reach your full potential. Now, I've got no doubt that you've enjoyed today's episode as much as we have, but I just want to say thanks again, guys. You know, your support is massively appreciated. So thanks again for everyone that's been tuning in and please do get in touch with us and today's guest to let us know where you're listening from, to share your thoughts, your views and your key takeaways from today's show. Along with any suggestions for guests you'd like to see on the show and any topics you'd like to hear discussed, ultimately, guys, the show is about you guys. So let us know what you're interested in, who you're interested in listening from. So get us and get in touch. And on that note, guys, you can get in touch on Instagram at The Coaches Network or on Twitter at The Coaches Net. But please do not forget to use the hashtag The Coaches Network. That was the hashtag The Coaches Network. We need as much support we can get to keep this great content coming out to you. Now, lastly, guys, I just want to say keep an eye out for our socials on the latest updates and announcements for upcoming guests and discussion topics with our panel. Until next time, guys, take care and have a great day. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.